I want to read this morning just John 14, verses 25 to 27. John 14, verses 25 to 27. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Last week we spoke of the the role of the Spirit as helper. He is the paraclete, that is, the one who comes alongside for the purpose of helping and giving us strength. And he enables us, then, to have intimate fellowship with God and to live lives of loving obedience, not perfectly, but substantially growing in love in our obedience. And experiencing through the Spirit an otherworldly peace, not as the world gives, but as Jesus himself gives. And today we consider the ministry of the Holy Spirit as counselor. This is not like a French Creek counselor, buddy-buddy, who just comes alongside of you and gives you a little bit of encouragement. But he leads you into truth. The Holy Spirit Counselor strengthens you in particular, we will see today, through the Word. That firm foundation for your faith. Many times, or at times, uh, we may look for shortcuts to the Spirit's indwelling power. We may hope for a spiritual jolt a little five-hour energy drink to get us through a tough day. We look for something to lift our mood, something to even change our desires so that we have more passion for God. And we look at that passage, and we love it, the passage that says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5. And we like that. We want to know God better. Uh, We want the spine-stiffening courage to obey God when it's difficult. We want to be able to obey under pressure. Fill us with your Spirit, Lord. We may be a little bit less likely to see and to notice the power of the parallel passage in the book of Colossians, where Paul, in in the same argument that he's using in in Ephesians chapter 5, he's speaking in in, uh, Colossians, instead of saying, be filled with the Spirit, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The Spirit speaks through his word, and you receive his breath as you read. Do you expect spiritual power without the Word? 
Do you expect somehow to be moved and motivated by the Spirit with the Word nowhere in sight? The Spirit fills you as you take in His Word. The Spirit fills you as you take in His truth. And the Word of Christ dwells in you and with you richly. That's what we're going to be looking at today. The Spirit Counselor strengthens you through the Word. But before we get there, I want you to consider what voices other than the Holy Spirit speaking through the Word are you hearing and are you influenced by? What other voices are you influenced by? I want to think for a second about about inside voices, voices that come from within our own hearts. God doesn't really care about little people like us. He doesn't really have mercy on, on failures like I see myself to be. We may have an attitude of, I'll never be able to change, not in any substantive way. You live with the cards you're dealt with, and that's who I am. Well, I suppose the breath of God would be nice, to hear his word would, would be nice, but, you know, I'm busy. I've got to get up and go to work in the morning. I've got to do what's necessary. What are the voices that you hear, the inside voices that you hear? We also hear outside voices, outside lies. Perhaps the greatest one is this today, that God restricts our freedom. God is some um, mean-spirited, heavenly being, if he's here at all, and his business is to keep us from having fun. And so we're not really interested in that kind of of God. Some of that can even creep in to Christians. Well, the Father sends the Counselor to rescue us through His Word, to rescue us from lies, and to, and to ground us on the foundation of, the, of God's Word. The Father sends a Counselor to rescue us through His Word. We're going to look at this, in two, this passage in two ways this morning. The first way is this, that the Counselor, the counselor gave the Bible... Then, through inspiration, the Counselor gave the Bible back then through uh, inspiration. And the, and the Spirit um, shows or opens the Bible now through illumination. Do you get the difference? Something he did back then in inspiration, something that he is continuing to do now in illumination even after the Word of God has been given. It must have been great uh, for the disciples to hear the words of Jesus. They must have, for the most part, uh, when they weren't sleeping, hung on to every word that he spoke. And, and of course, uh, he then said, it's actually better that I go away, because I'm going to send you this spiritual, this spirit helper, to help you get the words right so that you'll be able to establish uh, my word, the written word, the firm foundation for the church to come. I'm sending my spirit to make sure you get those words right. So, so Jesus would leave, but his word would stay. His powerful, converting word, the wind of the spirit 
would stay. It still blows to gather and build up and to preserve the Church of Jesus Christ. Now, if you appear uh, at one of the Presbytery meetings in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, probably uh, every one of them that I've been in where there has been an exam for licensure, this is a question, in case there's anyone here who may be in the position at some point, this is one of the questions that you will hear. And that is, what are the four attributes of Scripture? What are the four attributes of Scripture? All of those four attributes of Scripture are compressed or at least implied um, in these verses. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The first, the first of these four attributes of Scripture is, is the necessity of Scripture. You need the words of Jesus, who is truth, in order to know truth. Nothing that you need uh, will be left Unsaid. Nothing that you need has been left unsaid in the Scripture, the necessity of Scripture. Secondly, is, is that it's the authoritative quality of Scripture. It is the Word of God uh, that has come to us through the Spirit that glorifies and magnifies the Son. Uh, that is the authority that God alone has, which is kept in His Word. The third thing is sufficiency. Notice that Jesus says in this verse, the Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. What all things, what more could he say than to you he has said? The Scripture is sufficient. And finally, the Scripture is clear. The Helper, after all, has come alongside us. Well, for what purpose? In order to illumine the Word. So it is clear to us. There is clarity to Word because the Helper has come. We see this in the example of the, of the, uh, of the Apostles, certainly. They had that unique role of being led by the Spirit for the grounding and the forming of God's Word. And the Spirit would bring to their remembrance and teach them all the things that Jesus said. And even after, in particular after the resurrection, this is, what, this is how the apostles saw it. For example, in John chapter 2, uh, as Jesus and the disciples are, are looking at the temple, and in fact Jesus then begins the cleansing of the temple... This dialogue ensues. We'll look, even look back at that at John chapter, John chapter 2. But Jesus says to uh, the, the disciples at that time, um, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And, and of course they objected to that. We're looking at this massive temple that Herod had built. It took 46 years and it's not even finished. And you think you could tear it, if it were torn down, you could raise it in three days. They're confused. Look at what the text says, though. Um, when, they, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, 
and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. So that's what he meant. <laughs> that he was, he was put into a tomb. He died. And he was buried. And then he, would be, and then he was raised up. And he was actually the temple of God. The dwelling place of God. In him, Colossians says, all the fullness of deity dwells bodily. I get it. Jesus the temple of God. So the Spirit would lead them and teach them and enable them to understand the implications of the ministry of Jesus. Because this is, after all, a human and divine book. It's a human, a human book, but also divine. It, it comes to us through the breath or the wind or the Spirit or the power of God. Now, some of you who grew up on the authorized version, the King James Version, like I did, uh, were, were misled by one of the famous passages, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 16, which says all scripture was, was, remember what it was? Inspired by God. That's, that's not a helpful translation of Theopneustos, which is actually breathed out by God. A very different concept. The Bible isn't just inspiring. It is actually breathed out the very Word of God. The English uh, Standard Version uh, has done a much better job, as many other versions have, as well, to correct that mistake that actually uh, began with uh, Wycliffe. So, we are therefore confident for every good work because this scripture is, is breathed out by God and we use it for rebuke and correction and training in righteousness. It is the word of God. It is the Spirit's breath. But, but, but Peter also tells us that, that men who wrote the Bible were carried along. It's not that the Spirit simply gave a dictation and people wrote down word for word what the Spirit was giving them. It is instead the Spirit carried them along, and that verb is also used to describe the woman who is carrying a baby, who finally gives birth. And so, and so the Spirit carrying along those writers, preserving their language, but what, what was written was actually their word. Luke, for example. He has an elevated style. He was a meticulous historian with, with well-researched details in his gospel. There is a Lucan style in both Acts and Luke, the Gospel of Luke. John, quite different. He was a man who was, in fact, the, the best loved of the disciples, the one whom Jesus loved. And, and he points a very, he, he points a more personal picture of who Jesus is. He is the Word, He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life, He is the shepherd, He is the door. And I write all of these things so that you might believe that He is the Son of God. John has a very different feel from, from Luke. But here's what I want you to get. The Bible then, the Word of God, is of human and divine character like the living Word of God. Jesus is human and divine. It, it, is, a, it is a reflection of the very character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, two natures in one person forever.
so you can trust the Bible as the Word of God. The Spirit brought Jesus' words accurately to the disciples' mind. Our confession, I think, wisely says that in the providence of God, the original writings, the original writings were kept free from error. And we see the evidence of the Spirit's breath in the larger catechism that we read earlier today, the, the majesty of the style, the consent of all the parts, and the purpose of the whole to give glory to God. It has the breath of the Spirit. This has the breath of the Spirit all over it. And the blessings for us then right now is that we can hear the Spirit's voice speaking directly to you person to person. That is the promise. That is the reality. The Spirit writes the Bible so you can read the Bible with confidence. The Counselor then, back then, uh, caused the Word to be written. It was inspired. It was His breath. The Counselor today opens up the Bible through illumination giving us eyes to see. You need the Spirit's strength and help to make sense of this book. You do. You need the Spirit's strength and help. I'm encouraged as I read, as I read, for example, in this text, it says that the Helper, whom the Father, whom the Father, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send. That is a promise, that that is a, Uh, That is a promise that would take place, that would be fulfilled in Pentecost. The Spirit would come, the Spirit would cause the Scriptures to be written. And then in the next chapter, chapter 15, verse 26, listen listen and see if you can catch the difference. But when the Helper, the Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me. Do you hear the difference? He will proceed. Ongoing action. It is something that will go on and on and on. He is proceeding from the Father. He will bear witness to the disciples and to you and me. The Spirit's ministry is proceeding even now from the Father. There are some who misapply this text who misapply this teaching of Scripture and and believe that the Spirit will somehow or other lead me to a particular truth I need for today that's not revealed in the Bible, but just some nudge or some persuasion that that, uh, will, will carry me for the day. Above and beyond what the Scripture says. Listen to this, my dear friends. The Spirit doesn't give more truth. That would mean the Scripture was not sufficient. He doesn't give more truth. What He does is lights up the truth that He's already given. He takes the blinders off. Opens our eyes to the beauty of of what He has already written. As Sinclair Ferguson said, God has spoken through the Bible and He continues to speak through the Spirit in the Word. He has spoken and He continues to speak. Well, I want to unfold three, three applications from this. One is, 
we need to pray for illumination. And if you're in a note-taking mode, write this down. You need to pray for illumination. Pray something like this. I need your light. I need your truth. I need your hope. I need your strength. This is the way I've been praying it for years now. Illumine my mind. Let me see things and understand things. Illumine my mind and enlarge my heart. Let me have the capacity to absorb more of the beauty of Christ, the loveliness of Christ, to be taken by His beauty. Not just to believe in Him, but to worship Him and delight in Him as He deserves so that my life is given to Him. Illumine my mind. Enlarge my heart. Oftentimes, our hearts are dull. Uh, our, our hearts are imperceptive. We don't get it. And so we pray, Lord, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of Your law. Remember, we see an example of this in the Old Testament. We see David, towards the end of his ministry, was, had, had an itch to know how many soldiers he had. He wanted to know, he, wanted, he sent out jo, Joab to count the fighting men. I want to see how strong I am. I want to see how powerful I am. Joab said to him, please, why do you want to do this? This is wicked. You don't need to count the men you trust in the Father. Go out and do it, David insisted. Well, we need, too, to to listen to the Spirit's warning before someone gets hurt. (laughs) Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me. This is part of the light that we're seeking Lord, show me the light of the glory of God in the scriptures, in the face of Jesus, and also show me my own heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. We pray for illumination because we need it. Two groups of people need it. Uh, The first group is those who are discouraged. Those who are discouraged. Many years ago, uh, in our former church, um, a charge nurse uh, in the local hospital there um, uh, described a a horrible self-deception that came upon some people who were literally dying of thirst. A self-deception of people who were refusing to drink and were dying of thirst. And that self-deception included their being afraid of water. Afraid of what they need most. They had a strange dislike for water because there was something twisted in their brain. What they needed most, they rejected. What, what was critical to their well-being, they turned away from. Some with a critical need for God's Word have a strange fear of God's word. Oh, I'm unworthy. Oh, it won't do any good. Oh, I won't understand it. 
This is a strange and deadly deception. Behind this deception is the idea is that I should have the lift of the spirit apart from the word. Do you hear that? I should have my problem solved apart from the word, not through the word. I should have the spirit just zap me with things apart from the word so that I could then read the word. We wait for the Spirit to zap us, then we'll go to the Word. And the Scripture says the Spirit uh, is filled. You become Spirit-filled when you are Word-filled. And you take, this is the beauty of it, my friends, when you're at your worst. When your hunger and thirst is at their height, that's when you flee to God through the Scriptures when you need it most. Satisfy me with the living water. Fill my spiritual belly with the bread from heaven. The Bible you see is for desperate people. Come to me and drink. So the discouraged people uh, need God's word, need to come to the word, need to allow the word of God to dwell in them richly, as part of the process of being filled with the Spirit. But there are others of us who we might describe this way. They read the Bible dutifully, regularly. That is a good thing. Every morning, every morning with my coffee in front of my fireplace. You can read the Bible dutifully, but with low expectations. After all, you know a lot of what you're going to read already. And you're not really expecting God to meet you and change you. You see the Bible as educational, which it is. You do not see the Bible necessarily as transformational, which it is. And so oftentimes we need to plow up the ground of our own hearts. And I want to mention three things from... You can download this or get it, ask me for a copy if you want, but it's called X-Ray Questions by David Pallison. Just, and it's about 31 different, some quite extended and difficult questions that you can ask yourself. I'm just going to mention three. If you, it, to, to heighten your thirst for, the, for God's Word, these, these things that will help you to give, give some insight into your own heart. Question number 10, where do you find refuge, safety, comfort, and escape? When you are fearful, discouraged, and upset, where do you run? Do you run to God for comfort and safety or to something else? Food, others, work, solitude, whatever it might be. Where do you find refuge, safety, comfort, and escape? Number 11, What do you trust? Do you functionally rest in the Lord? Do you find a sense of well-being in His presence and promises? Or do you rest in something or someone else? Again, these these are questions that help us probe our own hearts to increase our thirst for Him. Number 25, what do you think about most often in the morning? To what does your mind drift instinctively? 
when you are doing a menial task or driving alone in your car, what captures your mind? What is your mindset? That will show you something of your heart and show you something of the need to turn consciously and daily uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. To be transformed, you must hear the Spirit speaking to you through the Word. Forty-one years ago, um, at uh, the church in which I did my internship, um, my mentor um, gave me um, a, a something called a little, a simple inductive Bible study. And it is something, I don't use it generally now, but many of the themes I still do. And this is how it starts. Determine to seek God personally. Pray for the Holy Spirit to teach you something fresh and true from this passage according to his intent in giving it and your needs right now. That is a compressed sentence. That is a loaded and really significant sentence. I've had several of these in 8.5 by 11 printed, and they're out on the table there. Pick one up if you wish. I encourage you to do it. But let me just read this again. Determine to seek God personally. Pray for the Holy Spirit to teach you something fresh. New insight. Illumination. Pow! Beautiful! Seeing something about Jesus I haven't noticed. Wonderful. Or seeing the old thing again that I've needed. Wonderful. Teach you something fresh and true, obviously, from this passage. According to his intent, he has a purpose for every passage that you open to under the Bible. Understand his intent. Don't import your own. According to his intent in giving it and your needs right now. It is a tender, precious, heat-seeking missile. Coming from heaven right into your heart. What God wants you to know today according to your need. Pursue the Lord for that. The second thing here is you need the Spirit's breath for witness. Remember, that's the purpose uh, that the, the, I will, I will, um, the Helper will come. Um, and he will bear witness about me, Jesus said, to the disciples, and then through the disciples to the world. And now through the church to the world, we come then needing the Spirit's breath for witness. The Holy Spirit testifies to you and through you. And you, letter from Christ, that's language from Paul, describing people, letters from Christ. You are the only letter from Christ that some may read. And so another thing you pray is for the opportunities to speak with your neighbors. Pray for opportunities to speak with non-Christians. And when I say speak, I don't don't simply mean, and I've done this in the past, I don't swoop down and sort of drop, drop a little bomb and then lift up again and just you're gone and you don't have to deal with any of the pushback. Not, not a particularly helpful way to share the gospel. But learn how to be a good listener. This was illustrated to me this week really in a, in a, in a simple but lovely way. I was up at our local, uh, at our bank, and, and um, um, in conversation with, with the, uh, the, the manager there, um, um, she, she was saying she was looking for 
a different career where she could more hands-on help people, and um, and and she was she was wanted to find something she would be happy to do and and passionate about, and um, and and I was listening to all this. I had to say, um, you're probably not going to find a job that you're going to be passionate about every day where it just feels really good to get up in the morning and go to work. Probably not every day. It's hard to help people. Some people don't want to be helped. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. I'm explaining this to her a little bit. And, and, and I said something like this. Uh, life is full of ups and downs. Life is difficult. It is tough to find a job that will satisfy. Consider instead the benefit of, of, of what does it need, what do you need to be happy in the next life? It was a natural conversation. It was nothing un. It was just, it just flowed. Natural conversation. We talked about that a little bit. And then I, I had to leave, or she did, one or the other, and, and, um, and she said, I, I want to continue this conversation. So the next part I have to do is to bring not my word, but the word of the Spirit. I'll drop off the Gospel of John to her. So I, I, she needs the witness of the Spirit, not my words. She needs the witness of the Spirit. So you need the Spirit's breath for your witness too. And then, and then thirdly, um, you need the Spirit's breath for others. And I'm thinking right now of parents with kids, okay? You need the Spirit's breath for others. Parents, I, I'm standing behind you. I've been in front of you. I've been before you. Four, four kids well out of the house now. But I do remember, <laughs> um, don't give up planting the seed of God's word. Don't give up. How many times have I heard people say family devotions are really hard? Yeah, they are when you've got kids of wide variety of ages. But find a way. Make them short. <laughs> I've heard stories of families that have had devotions like after dinner for 45, 50 minutes. That's not real smart. Make it regular. Make it consistent. Make it short. Make it to the point, And have something that you memorize together as a family. The scriptures, and I would encourage as well the shorter catechism. Just do it regularly. Don't make a big deal of it, but make a regular deal of it. And then when you confess it, and you may even have to go home today and confess that you've blown it. But when you confess it, you are taking the lower place, which actually helps your kids see something of Jesus. Show them that sin is real, and there is a real solution. Every time you confess to your kids or you confess to your spouse in front of them, you are showing them the reality of Jesus and giving them hope for their own, their own faults. Find a way to do family devotions and stick with it, but then also look for those Deuteronomy 6 moments where you talk about your faith living along the way while you, while you make your bed and while you take out your trash and whatever else it says. Here, my friends... You have an opportunity, and I've overheard some of you talk this way with your kids. When they've had a tough time, when someone has treated them unfairly, you remind them. I've heard some of you do this. You remind them 
that that we we were un, um, that that we have have also been sinned against the Father, and, and He has been merciful to us to forgive us. And so our mode with people who have sinned against us is one of forgiveness. The power of the cross to forgive even the obnoxious fourth grader in your class. Amen? That's amazing! Power of the blood to forgive an obnoxious fourth grader. Wow. Let's remember that one. For you with older kids, kids don't age out of needing God's word from you. They do not age out. There are phones. Gail and I discovered something a couple of decades ago, which was pretty cool. And that is long distance doesn't cost anymore. Remember when it did? (laughs) It doesn't cost us anything anymore. So you can text, you can call, you speak, you have a relationship with your kids where you ask them something like this. Um, May I share something with you? If they say no, you know they wouldn't listen anyway. If they say yes, their hearts are going to be inclined to listen. And that's, that's something that is language that you use. May I share something with you? And then don't deprive them of the needed words of the Spirit. Don't deprive them of the Spirit. The breath of the Spirit. And you, of course, put their salvation entirely in God's hands. As our catechisms, as our confession says, the Holy Spirit gives life when, where, and how He pleases. Well, what is the Spirit saying to you today? Do you need to know Jesus? Do you need to know Jesus? He is opening His arms. Come to Him. Come to him. Are you one who needs to say, along with the Lord Jesus, uh, don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God? Do the one thing necessary every day. Listen to him. He has what you need. He is speaking. And he does accompany those words with his very life-changing power. Let us pray. We, we pray, Lord, for your uh, quickening spirit to be in our hearts and in our lives. We, we pray for breath from heaven. Um, we pray, Lord, for... Um, your strength for those who are feeling discouraged today. And we pray for your um, disturbing grace to those who are apathetic today. And in all things, glorify our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing.